You are listening to the Impact Podcast, powered by Infinity Sports Performance, where athletes prepare to be great. The ethos of this podcast is to provide our listeners with authentic, informative, and entertaining conversations on all subjects related to performance optimization and mindset mastery. Welcome to the show. Super excited here today uh, at the ISP Impact Podcast because uh, our guest here today, long time, long time local talent, the Colonel Bruce Kern, here is here today. <laughs> He's a locally bred talent. He's one of the longest and consistent members of the ISP family as an athlete from his high school, uh, from his community college days in his uh, St. John's to at this point multiple pro organizations and pretty much globally at this point. So. Super humble human being that carries a wealth of knowledge in the baseball world. Uh, in his off-season, when he's not throwing fastballs in the mid-90s and up, he is highly touted pitching coach on Long Island and is also a mentor for all levels of athletes that are looking to develop themselves physically and mentally. I've had the pleasure to train Bruce for many years and also watch him coach and instruct athletes from youth to college and then also coaching with the Hamptons, uh, Hamptons League Road Warriors and then to help other pros also. So, again, a super wealth of knowledge uh, here today. So pretty pumped about this. And, and actually one of the most giving individuals around. Uh, you know, we're excited to have him here spending some time with us um, on this podcast. Um, from all things, from the venison jerky he brings us to <laughs> his family deli, the Harvest Moon, who has supplied us with some awesome lunch today. Um, Mr. Bruce Kern, the Colonel, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, and finally, actually, Coach Jared is here as well, but finally a pitcher that's not from Ward Melville, so a little yep. treat here. Again, locally bred, <laughs> complete, right out of Bellport High School. Complete switch of pace. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Bruce, what I like to do is, you know, I usually start from the beginning, you know, your roots, just gives a, a little bit of history of your trajectory in the baseball world, maybe you played other sports as a kid, maybe you had some mentors that grown up, or maybe you followed in dad, or someone's footsteps or whatnot, but... Give us a rundown of, like, you know, where it all started, where the love of the game began. Uh, I mean, I've always loved baseball. As long as I can remember, I was, I was always playing. And then uh, I just, you know, I was just always good, so I just kept playing. And uh, ended up, Bel- I was at Belport, came up with Belport. You know, we didn't have the greatest team back then, but I did everything I could for them, I guess you could say. I think we won, like, two games in my senior year. Really? I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. And you uh, a multi-position player? Yeah, shortstop and pitcher. You know, jumped all around. What did, did you did you love pitching early on, or was it just you just did whatever was needed for the team? Uh, I mean, I love shortstop more, but you know, little sliders are a little tough to hit. So, I wonder you know, why your PFPs looks uh, silky smooth then. Yeah, yeah. The glove's <laughs> never a problem. The glove is never a problem. It's just more the bat. You know, uh, <laughs> not a lot of power coming out of my, coming out of that body back then. What was your size? I don't know. I probably weighed like 150 pounds, you know, 140. I wasn't very big, but. I think we all could relate to that here at some point, especially in high school. Yeah. Um, so now, as you, who was the coach there, by the way, when you were there? Belfort. It was uh, Garifola, Coach Garifola. So who were your biggest influencers back then, whether it be a coach or maybe a, an older player grown up with or was it just with the pro guys? What were your biggest influences in that? At that age, uh, I don't know. I didn't. I, I guess 
I just love the game. I don't know. Uh, Derek Jeter. I mean, you know, everyone looked up to him. I didn't really have, uh, you know, my dad wasn't, he was like into it, but he wasn't like into it, into it. You know, he, you know, he was working, he worked every day. So, you know, there's not, there's only so much that he could do, but you know, I just love the game. I just always wanted to play. I still do. I'm still, I, I think I'm still trying to play. <laughs> so you're a lot closer you know, to playing yeah. than I am. So you are, um, well, you grew up in a household with it was three boys in that household, correct? Yeah, yep. three total boys in there. So, and you're the oldest of the bunch. I'm familiar with your family because you guys have all been. Not you haven't just trained here with me, but you, I've also been the physical therapist for a number of your family members. And yeah, um, yeah. I only had an older brother who was 12 years older than me and used to kick my butt and everything. So, was it super competitive? I know you were the older of the bunch, but was it super competitive growing up with them? Was it um, or not? Were they involved in sports as well? How to grow up with three brothers? Was it a lot of chaos or a lot of competition? What was it like? Uh, me and my, I have two younger brothers. One, Brian, is, he's a year younger. I, we were always competitive, and then I was just better, and then I think I kind of turned him away from sports because I was just beating him all the time, unfortunately. And then my younger brother was pretty good, and I, I, I felt like I wanted to teach him how, you know, how to compete and how to, to be good, so I, I was pretty tough on him. Yeah. But I think it made him better competitively. So, But he was like five or six years younger, so. As he got older, he started to, we started to go back and forth a little more, but he was too young. Did he also play in high school? He played in high school, yeah. He had a good high school career at Bellport. He was with Coach Batewell. Yeah. Um, they Batewell. got to the playoffs, I think, maybe won a game. Coach Batewell's going on, God knows how many years we've been coaching now. Yeah. yeah it's funny, we, we had the same high school coach. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah, who did? Uh, Bruce and I, Garofalo. Garofalo. Oh, you had your yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. When did he? So he was with you, we were first, or Bellport first, and then he went. Over so, to yeah, so yeah. he was at, he was at Bellport first, and then he went over to um, Shoreham to. I think he handled the junior varsity program, and then he came to Senebriches to head the varsity program. Right. So my senior year ended up being his last year, right. and then that's when. So my senior year was uh, Dennis Donovan's first year yep. as a coach, yep. but he was the assistant at the time, and then the year that I left. Um, Donovan stepped up as a head coach. Then Don, another ISP early family member there, too. Love yeah. that guy. Um, yeah, and Coach Baywell. God, he feels like he's been coaching forever. But he was, back when I played in the mid-'90s, he was the Sachem coach. So, so oh, I mean, wow. going back a long time. Oh, yeah. I remember him from there because we were, I was a Lindy guy, so we didn't we weren't too friendly with Sachem. So, um, all right, so coming up, it didn't really have – it was like you just loved the game, just like playing. No other sports? No. Like the, you know, fall and winter, I was more into bow hunting. Yeah, you know, my dad got me into that, so I didn't want to play other sports. Might get into in that, that a little bit season. later too, but um, for sure. Um, all right, so so then we fast forward now. Now, when did when did you realize or that you were talented enough to play at that next level, or that you had the desire to play at, in the college level? Uh, I always had the desire, but I, I think it, you know, one off one bullpen session over with like Neil and Paul Gibson stuff. I was throwing; they had the radar gun. I was hitting like ninety. I had no idea. I was like, really. I just I knew I was throwing hard, but I didn't know how hard. And they were like, and they convinced me like, listen, like you have a legit arm, you have a legit chance. I was like, all right. So then they started like calling colleges and stuff, and then I went to St. John's, and then kind of. Right, so I knew right from there. You know, those are two ex big leaguers, and if they tell yeah, you yeah. you have something, then you got two ex big big leaguers standing behind. Yeah. Most people would get pretty nervous and crumble, or realize, hey, I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I knew I was good, but yeah. I didn't realize I was that good at the time. Well, that's good, and they, so, and they vied for you. Um, mm-hmm. So where were you before St. John's? I went to Suffolk for two years, community college. Didn't have the uh, greatest grades in high school, unfortunately. 
Well, but, we do know that uh, you were at least able to go with a buddy of yours that was another ISP uh, member and uh, former pro, Danny Barawa. Well, he's with the Yankees since retired, but... Um, mm-hmm. Good golfer now. Good, yeah, real, real good great golfer. golfer. Yeah. Good video game guy, too. <laughs> um, but I remember training you guys in high school separately, and then once you guys were at community college level, I remember training you guys together. Um, and it's something I, I never forgot, is always training you guys together for such a long time, and, and, and two very different characters, for sure. But that was some of, the, some of my greatest memories, actually, Back in the day, we were training YouTube guys. It was a lot of fun <laughs> to see how that dynamic worked out. So um, we got to get him in here one day and talk yeah. a little bit because I, I feel like you were such um, a big brother to him and an inspiration to him, as talented as he was. I know mentally and his focus was always a little bit of a um, – and he knew it. It was always something that he struggled with a little bit, and you were kind of the glue that brought it together a lot of times, you know, being calm, cool. Yeah, he just, he just trusted me. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what it comes yeah, down to. He didn't really trust anyone else. How would you guys meet? Through Suffolk? Just through Suffolk, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, one fall I watched him, he was throwing really hard. And then when I went to St. John's, he, the coach asked me if there was anyone else that he should go take a look at. And he was the one guy. I meant to ask you. I didn't realize that yeah. that was the kid. He asked me, you know, he was like, I said, the guy Burrell looks pretty good. He's got a real good arm. Okay. He said he went down there, looked at him, and he threw a pitch below like 93. <laughs> so like, yeah, he was like, who is this guy? I'm like, I don't know. I know he throws hard. Well, you didn't take your spot. <laughs> no. He was a, uh, yeah. But yeah. He came in that year, and that was it. Came in like right away. That's great. And then you guys spent two full years there, was it? Or just one. Just that one yeah, year. Uh, what year was it, that? Well, my first year was my junior year there, mm-hmm. and he was there, but he had a red shirt because he was a transfer. Right. So then the next year we were both we both played together, and that's when I got drafted, and he was drafted too. So. Same year. Yeah. Same year. What yeah. year was that? 2010. What organization did you get drafted for, and what round? I was drafted in the twenty third round by the Colorado Rockies. What was the build up to that draft day and projections and you know what scouts were getting in year, what teams were interested in, like what and then and then get to that day, the excitement of that day and how it happened. Um well my junior year I got I got my junior year I got a couple like calls and stuff like that, but they, it wasn't like a definite and then I, I kinda told a few of them that I didn't want to get drafted. I wanted to go back to St. John's another year. So I knew I, I didn't. I knew I, I thought maybe I could get drafted, but I knew I probably wasn't going to. And then my senior year, like I knew because I had a lot of teams calling and like like senior signs. There's a lot of those, especially in the later rounds. Right. So I had a pretty confident feeling. And then the Rockies guy called me like, I think it was around like the 15th round. He goes, "Listen, we're we're definitely going to take you. Just don't know when, but we're we're tr- we're trying to get you." So I was like, "All right, cool." So I was just like super excited. Like you know, you're just waiting for it because yeah. it's it's a big thing. Like you know. To hear your name called in a draft is just amazing. And uh, so, when the Rockies now now you're sitting at home, is this when you found out? No, uh, we normal were, day. We were, we were coming home from a regional. We were so in Virginia. Played. Yeah, we were on the bus when Barrow got drafted. Okay, on the way home from that same regional. On the on the way home, driving home, I was in the shower. Uh huh. So they all came in there when I was in the shower. So we were all. Group hugging. <laughs> Quite a celebration. <laughs> One that many never forgot, I'm sure. No, no. So, so, so Barava got drafted a little earlier? Yeah, he was, uh, I think, 11th. 11th round. And then you? Wow. Was, uh, that, that's got to be yeah. exciting for you know St. John's pitching coach right there. Yeah. Um, was, well, are there other teams involved? What do you mean, other teams? Like that you were talking to about? Uh, yeah, there was a few other teams. Any local teams? Oh, man. Local, no. 
but I remember like you know senior sign you only get like a thousand dollars or something yeah. like that as a sign yeah, bonus. And I remember one team saying, "Yeah, we we'll, we'll get you. We'll get you for like twenty five hundred." I was like, "Oh, sweet!" <laughs> and then sure enough, the Rockies gave me a thousand. Could one of the twenty five hundred teams draft me? <laughs> so you were a senior. Danny was still considered a junior at that time. He was a right? redshirt junior, so he still shirt. had like oh, wow. three years of eligibility. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Um, all right, so now we, we get that. Now, now what's next? You still got to finish your regionals, or did you lose that regional? No, we lost that. We, we so that was home. the end. It was yeah. kind of like, all right, so you know, you're going home on a bad note, kind yeah, of sour, yeah. and that kind of pumped you guys up a little bit. Any, yeah, exactly. Any, anybody else drafted from that team, by the way? Yeah, we had a, we had like five five guys go. That's great. We had a good team. Well, you also had the pleasure of playing with with what's his name? That professional player that's Joe pretty Panic, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Panic. Yep. Joe Panic. Yep. That's so. where my shortstop career ended. <laughs> he, so, so he was uh, what? A year younger than you? He was two years younger. Two years younger. Yeah. Now you went to St. John's, and you were still considered. When I went a to St. John's, I told he they wanted me as a pitcher, uh-huh. but I told them I wanted to do both. I wanted to play short and pitch. Because that's what I always did. You, yeah. know? you wanted to hit 250. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, right? I always hit Steal a high pieces. average. I just didn't have a lot of power. But then, like, you know, Blank Meyer was like, listen, we got this freshman shortstop's pretty good. <laughs> and I was like, at Suffolk, I was an All-American shortstop. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, like, I got credentials yeah. there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Competitive. Like, yeah, but, come on, who's, who's this freshman yeah, shortstop? Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> he was like that fall, he mashed. And I was like, you know what? He's got it. I'll, Give just, him the I'll just pitch. <laughs> Where's Panic from? Uh, yeah, Yonkers area. St. John's still doing it. Yeah, they got a good team. Good so program. you, so you said you were you were at regionals when, um, you know the the news started to come out about the draft. So who who were you guys playing in that regional game? We were in Virginia that year. We beat uh we knocked out Virginia Tech, and then I pitched against Old Miss. We were both one and one. It was a two loss in a regional, and we beat them. I beat them. And then we played Virginia, and we beat them the first game. So we were both one and one. As a University of Virginia? Yeah, they were number one at the time. Oh wow! And then we went into the final game. We lost like five to three. We were tied in into the eighth inning. It did. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Did you? Pitch? It was. That was the best experience of my, of my college career. Was that regional? That regional. Yeah. Oh my god! You never forget something like that. So great. Did uh did uh did you get any losses or were I getting losses during that regional or what was the uh no you, I only pitched the, I only pitched against Old Miss I beat them I don't remember my line I think it was like seven innings like five runs you beat them but we beat them yeah you did your job <laughs> yeah yep. jeez well I'm always super pumped and proud to hear those stories because that's that's at that level I never got to compete I did play Division One ball but it's still nice to hear. My guys experienced that, just that alone. Yeah, it was great. Um, I can relate to the college bowl experience very well. The whole pro bowl experience, no, I can't. It's still a dream to me. So, so, but yeah, I get chills just thinking about like regionals and being there with the team and camaraderie and just being able to like experience that. That's such a such a cool experience that, that not many get to, to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right, so now you got drafted. So, what's the, what's the first step now? Once you know you're done, college baseball career is over. You know, and they're expecting you to show up where. Uh, how do you start rookie ball? What what was the next step for you? Yeah, the 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 scout came over to my house like the the next day. Like your first time meeting him. This first time, scout? first time, yeah. And then uh, you know you sign the contract, and then they sh- you sh- they ship me out like two days later. I was headed to Casper, Wyoming, for the summer. Wyoming cowboy yeah. country. Yeah, it was really different out there. So we'll get into that in just a second. But so you're home. 
the, the scout comes over, they sign a contract. Give me what's what's mom and dad thinking? What are they saying? They're just they excited. Super you pumped. Know, yeah. You know, my mom. I don't know if you know. No one knows my mom, but she's very. Uh, she's a baseball fan. Yeah, she's a little tough around the edges. Let's just say that. So she was like trying to get more money out of the guy. <laughs> like, mom, where I'm a senior, there's no negotiating here. Just yeah, take what he gives yeah. you. It's my boy, though. That's yeah, it. Exactly. It's my boy. I appreciate it, mom. <laughs> my, my big little boy. Don't work oh, like that. Oh man. Well. Listen, we all need someone, a mom or a dad, or some sort of figure in our family like that. Someone, yeah. Someone's got to, you know, shake it up a little bit. Um, so I'm sure you appreciate that. For, for a lot of other cases, you, I'm sure you appreciate mom for, for things like that. But maybe not in that, maybe not in that particular situation at the time. But uh, she's just looking out. Yeah. Um, all right, so then you got to in, in cowboy country. And then, and then what was your experience out there? Big culture shock? Um, not really a culture shock. I mean... Did they did they hold your hand out there and you know, you know we're a new so guy busy, or? we're so busy with baseball and everyone that goes to that it's a short season so everyone's new so yeah. we're all in the same boat so it was just easier that way it's not like I went in somewhere where everyone already knew each other uh-huh. none of us know we knew each other we were all went in there brand new and pretty regimented schedule once you're there yeah we I mean it's every day you know it, it's every day. There's, there's no off days. I mean, you're there to, to play baseball, so that's what you do every day. Mm-hmm. So. Now, when you're there, for sure we, we know everybody's there trying to showcase their talents and all that. Um, is, is there a big focus at that level on development, too? Are they really, some coaches there, really trying to teach you some things, or they're just there to just see if you have it or not? Uh, I, I mean, that year was right after college. Like, I feel like that that short season was just like, they just want to see you. They want to see what they drafted. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's no development. They just want to kind of see what they got. Because, you know, like, during the draft process, it's not just one guy drafting a player. It's a whole bunch of guys, and they trust these scouts. So the head guys don't know exactly what they're getting, especially in those later rounds. Yeah. You know, They know what their first rounder and second rounder are, for sure, not the 23rd senior sign from St. John's. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they just want to see you. And then the development kind of started from there. So then when you were there, what was their impression of you? Uh, nothing really. Yeah, I, you Those know, I was first throwing, couple of meetings. They yeah, didn't have any... it was just I was supposed to slated to go to extended next year, kind of a thing. So they didn't expect much out of me. Just kind of see what you got. From a young man being drafted, a, you know, a dream come true, and then getting little feedback or maybe not performing at your best. Level. What was your mentality like? What was your mindset like at that point? Were you still super excited about? continue to play ball, you know, at that next level? Or was it like, you know, were you starting to question yourself at that point as well? Oh, no. I was like, all right, I want to prove myself. I want to show everyone that I, I, I can be a big leader. So the drive persisted. You were still... Yeah, that, that offseason I worked out, like, super hard. I, went, I, gained, I got a lot stronger. And then, like, I came in the next year, spring training, throwing 95, 96, hard as I've ever thrown. And it kind of turned a bunch of heads. Cause it was, like, who's this guy, you know? Uh-huh. When you start throwing 95, 96, like, heads turn especially at that level. So I kind of made a name for myself there. And then and then I ended up, uh, instead of going to extended, they put, put me in low A because I made such a good impression in spring awesome. training. Wow. And then I had a good year there, full season. So For you personally, like you said, then you took it, you were very serious about your training and putting on weight and all that. Mm-hmm. Did you associate that bump up in velocity to really digging in and, and grinding out, you know, and doing the workouts and all is that? Does that make a difference? That's exactly where it came from. Awesome. That's where it comes from. Well, we love to hear so, that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Being strength coaches, you know, that's Definitely. always. But we always like hearing, uh, again, the, the, the story, the backstory behind it, and, and how strength and conditioning was kind of introduced. Because even when it was introduced to, to me at a young age, uh, I fortunately had a bigger brother that it was kind of built in. So I took hold of it right away, even if I didn't develop right away. A lot of athletes will 
not they'll do they'll go through the motions but That's what they don't say, experience yeah. so, it like usually the, in the, the benefit pat- of it until later sometimes so. exactly like during the past I'd kind of not go through the motions but I wasn't taking it as serious where when I got drafted it was like alright like this is my job this is my future so I, I'm going to take it serious well, I guess so, the, the biggest once you it, see the connection once I saw the games then, I was then like, that oh, changes great. everything then people know they gotta hit that gym yeah. um, so now also what do you think is the most notable difference between you know uh, strength and conditioning here when you were getting introduced to it and then strength and conditioning at the big league level like, what do you think is the, the notable difference between the two um, I mean that doesn't not just from the training aspect but you know from like the coaching to the way that they handle their athletes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them kind of uh-huh. are, in the pro level, they're a little more cautious because they don't want to get anyone hurt. Yeah. So they they don't want to push it too much. You know, they want you to push yourself, of course, but they have to, you know, they got to be smart with, with what they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, of course. Of course. They're, they're more about trying to keep guys healthy throughout the season. It's about management. It's about, yeah, it's about management and Exactly. I think over the last decade, though, and even the last five years, you've seen strength coaches are starting to get a little bit more, maybe not aggressive is the right word, but they're starting to implement a little bit more training, whereas in the past, back when, when I first started, you know, 15, 18 years ago, strength coaches in the big leagues and, and at every level for baseball-wise, it was almost frowned upon so much, so, but I, mm-hmm. I get the hesitancy, you know, you got some big ticket guys there with a lot of money in the line, and you're just exactly, yeah. kind of a measly, you know, low low guy on the totem pole strength coach, and you don't, it's your job, and you don't want to yeah. hurt anybody because then you, you, you're, you're cut, basically, is what yeah. happens, and, I mean, and the, you're the guy that hurt, you know, this stud, basically, so, yeah. so I get it. When we started working out with the Rockies, the, my first year, it was very, like, like old school, like, yeah. like slow lifts and unathletic movements and things like that. Where when the last year I left, like they brought in this program and it was like completely different. Like yeah. they completely changed the program. But that's because the game has, has evolved over the past ten years. Right. Evolves every year, right. you know. And if you, that's the thing about pro baseball, if you're not evolving with the game, you're gonna get left behind. And yeah, that, that, sure. that's you know that's what happens. If you get injured, you're gonna get left behind. Yeah. You know? Well, speaking of setbacks and pitfalls like that, um, I think every great athlete, every great human, you know, we all go through some level of a challenge or some adversity, and and uh, I, I know your history for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's great to let the audience know here a little bit of your backstory with that. So now, speaking of setbacks and injuries, when did you have your first UCL tear, Tommy Johnson? When did that happen? That was uh, 2012. Where were you at? I was in high A that year. So it was your first full season. That was my second full. Second full beginning season. Beginning of my second full season. How was that day? Were you on the mound that day? Was it a, a bullpen session? What was it? So I was against. That was uh, on the mound. I think it was against like the San Francisco Giants, San Jose, and uh, like the outing before, which is like a few days before. I like struck out the side. Like it was like Joe Panic, oh, Jared Parker. Back again. You yeah, it was a couple big leaguers. I struck all three of them out. It was like the best I was ever the feeling. Highest high. The highest of high. Yeah. Throwing ninety seven, ninety eight. Jeez. <laughs> I had like the big scout there while like you know highest of highs and then the next out and it, it was like three four pitches in and it just popped you felt it like one pitch <laughs> yeah you feel it go. yep did you attempt to throw another pitch after that mm-hmm. yeah it didn't feel good how many more i threw like three more and then uh, it just like was killing me i was like all right i did something <laughs> something's going on here and that was it man that, that was uh that was it i couldn't do anything else i had to get surgery 
So you had MRI. Doc, when did you, like, you knew something was wrong. It was just a matter yeah. of what was wrong. People always ask me that. Like, how did you know? How did you know? I was like, well, I couldn't throw the baseball. Right. You couldn't do what it's, you've done your whole It's that simple. Life. Yeah. yeah. If it, your UCL's torn, you cannot throw a baseball. Yeah. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Oh, you sure it's not inflammation? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. This is different. I can't throw. This is <laughs> not different. stiffness. It's I just not, cannot do My that. elbow is not connected together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of so. like, I look at it as like, you know, you get a flat tire. You know something's wrong. Can yeah, you ride on it exactly. a little bit? Not efficiently and not safely, but no. something is definitely wrong and must be addressed. No. So, mm-hmm. All right, so, so you, let's go ahead and you get that surgery done. Uh, what's your outlook like, your mindset? Did, did at any point you get, if you went from a highest high to a low low, many people crumble at that point. And we know with that type of procedure and that surgery and the rehab, it is a long haul. And for yeah. sure there's an emotional, you know, um, weight that you carry with that as well so what was your mindset like during that time did we have any low lows at the point was there were you always still still driven to get back what was your what was your mindset like um i mean i was pretty pretty down on myself you know i wasn't mad at myself but it it was a tough situation for sure i mean you know i I worked so hard to to get to get that opportunity and i'm right where i wanted to be you know i was labeled the closer in high a like i was top top of my game really and then to get it, your legs completely taken out from under you, basically. It, it was tough, but... And that was, I don't I know. I was the early days of that kind of surgery, but it was still, 2012 was still, you know, not everybody was coming back great after no, that surgery yeah. still. It was still a little bit like... The surgery has changed a lot since... Yeah, since even the rehab protocols uh, from a PT standpoint have, have modified as well from mm-hmm. that standpoint. So, um, all right, so it weighed down on you quite a bit, but... As you got through the rehab, when did you start regaining that confidence? And was it once you started your throwing program? No. Uh, it took a couple of years, honestly, to, to feel like back to normal. You know, it wasn't, wasn't a quick one by any means. You know, I, I kind of feel like I rushed my rehab a little bit. I think that's had a lot to do with not feeling great. Mm-hmm. You know, did you, did you compete? Uh, like at what point? How many months into it? How many years later was it that it, once you were able to throw again off the mound and that made you? I, 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 I was on the mound in a game 10 months after surgery, which is, like, that super is fast. absolutely yeah. what? 10 months. I can't imagine. Even, at, even in 2012, we were super hesitant at that. We were, I like, just, 16, I just, months. I, I mean, I knew that I was a senior sign. I knew I had a short leash, so I wanted to get back on that mound I know you did. You're a competitive athlete, but from a medical standpoint, the rehab coordinator team and all that, like, how they let that happen? Like, who was the guy that made that call? I wouldn't want to be responsible that for that was, call. I think that was protocol back then. Wow. I mean, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. I was following everything they were doing. So, um, even when you came back and started throwing off the mound again, you said you still didn't feel normal. Right? No, it still hurt like uh, hell. But What I, was your velocity at at 10 months? It I was up. Jesus I mean, I did all that shoulder work, and my shoulder was strong. <laughs> I was still throwing 95, but I wow. just had no, I had no feel. I've never I had heard no that idea where the ball was going. I've trained dozens of Tommy John repairs at this point. I've never heard of someone at 10 months even attempt to throw at that level and to throw yeah, was at 95 months, months an hour. Yep. Well, that and I actually, if you, if you look special. at my stats, that, that right after the 10 months, that half season, was I, was, I did really good <laughs> because I was throwing so hard. I had a lot of life on my stuff. I was yeah. just, you know, I was, like, I was in short season, so it was like young college kids. I was just kind of blowing them up. And then I went up to high A and, and finished good there. The biggest thing was just like kind of like bouncing back between outings. Like after you had pitch, I'd be like really hurting. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. Did you have to take any weeks off with that, or did you just no, kind of no. battle through? I, I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. 
I just kind of swallowed it and kept going. So is there anything that you did for yourself between outings to kind of like get your arm right again? I mean, was there anything that you really knew of back then? No, I didn't really know anything. I mean, you know, the trainer knew what was going on, so, you know, he helped me a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. they they help you a lot, those trainers there, physical physical therapists there. You know, they they know the situation. They know you have a short leash. Uh They want to, they want you to, if if they like you, they want you to keep going. They work on you all you want, so. Exactly. I mean, that's what they're there to do, and they they want you to succeed, and they don't know, you know, your story to the full extent, but, man, I'm still like, a little inflamed about that. I can't believe that because even in 2012, we had protocols that were beyond that. that that's you were a, an experimental case almost. Probably. And you know, <laughs> from the mentality of an athlete, I, I get it. You want to get out there and get back to who yeah, you I mean, are. I didn't I mean, care. That's your identity. They kept pushing me. I was like, let's go, let's go. When you were performing, that's why. Yeah, I, I was. I felt. I mean, but it's a tough situation when you got to. You got to. You got to the bullet and kind of hide it, knowing that you know that you got a, an opportunity here and you mm. wanted to shine and you were able to perform. But you know, also the fear of saying. You know, letting them know that hey, I might need an extra some extra space between starts. Something I I, I get that that's a it's not well, a position then, I want any then, of my guys to be in. But and then I felt good, and then the next year I came back feeling pretty good in spring training, and then I I got like a bad shoulder impingement, and it really just bothered me the whole year. So I think it was from from rushing back, I rushing mean, compensatory stuff going. Yeah, on just just sure. like felt like my body wasn't my shoulder and elbow just weren't in sync. Was the best yeah. way to explain it, you know. One of, the, one of the best things I like about the long haul of a Tommy John procedure is that it gives the full body a chance to completely recover. And then as they're going through that recovery, the athlete starts to get a little antsy and they want to get back in the gym and train or do whatever they can if they cannot throw yet. So it's almost like a rebuilding phase from a strength and conditioning and from a physical therapy standpoint that we can focus on everything else except the elbow. You know, we're treating the elbow, but we're focusing on the whole body now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're usually able to redevelop athletes that are serious enough and that put in the work, they usually come back better. Yeah. Um, and then with that short timeline that you had there, too, I feel like, yeah, things were compromised, you know? So, yeah. um, and it's weird, too. It's not like it's not like it's something where you can, like, keep working and working and get better. It's something that you just have to let heal on its own. Patience. you got to be... I was just telling Ben before. Ben, you just need to relax. Is yeah. your elbow hurting? Yeah, well, just chill. Yeah. Let it. you got to let it relax. You, know, you can't do 100 bicep curls and make th- expect it to feel better. Yeah, look better. Um, uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, we had that. Uh, this is probably the third time I've had that conversation with Big Ben um, yesterday being too. Is this slow down? Yeah. I, I'm there. I text him. Keep reminding him. No, he's young. Him, slow down. Slow down. You, you know, the harder yeah. you work isn't going to get you to where you want to be any sooner. Especially come back from an injury. Too. No. Yeah, you got to let the do. body heal. Mm-hmm. can't rush it. I mean, the looking at the brighter side of things, though, coming back from an injury like that, um, you learn a lot more about your body, and mm-hmm. you sort of know your limits. So uh, sometimes, you know, we push past that limit, and we feel it the next day. So you kind of look back and say, oh, you know, maybe I probably did a little too much yesterday or the other day, so maybe I'll kind of kick back today, make today a rest day or something like that. Definitely. So, so you have quite a history, and we could probably do this forever. So let's let's move forward now, because there are some more peaks and valleys in, in the Colonel's story here. So... Um, at some point, the arm wasn't performing, and you get released, and, and then there was a pitfall there, and then it was a whole battle back, not just from injury, but just to getting back into pro ball uh, at any level and any degree. Um, give us give us that story. So so had that shoulder injury, things weren't feeling right. How, where do we go from there? Uh, and then I ended up getting released that following spring training. After that full season, I wasn't feeling good. And then I ended up uh, going to the Ducks. 
And I, at that point, I, I kind of, I don't know what to expect. I, I just wanted to kind of prove to myself that, that I can overcome this. You know, it was just more to myself. So I, I pitched a full season with the Ducks, you know, reliever and then starter. So I was kind of doing it all, and I, I had a healthy full season. I felt pretty strong at the end of the year, and I didn't know what to expect. And then uh, the following, or that off season, the I got a in spring training invite to the Royals. So, I mean, if I didn't get that spring training invite to the Royals, I probably would have quit right there, honestly. But then I, I had that opportunity, so I was like, all right, here, here's my here's my second chance at this, you know? So, same thing, I was in here as much as I could. I worked out as much as I could. Probably the strongest I've ever been was that off season. Mm-hmm. You remember that? That's what me and I remember Bravo, that, yeah. We were I mean, yeah, Bravo was where at that point, Danny? He was like in the big leagues, I think. At that, I think yeah. he was just prior he, or just... That was his best year, too. Yeah, and, 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 uh, and I, I remember... Think, actually, we'll tell this backstory with it, too, because it was one of my fondest memories in 17 years of strength and conditioning. I remember you guys training and really working hard, and, and, <laughs> and especially with Danny, because you know he wasn't... He was super gifted, but not super athletic. And you were an athlete, being a you know mm-hmm. shortstop and whatnot. And so movements came a little bit easier to you. Um, and whenever he'd get knocked off track, whether it be doing a simple bear crawl or something simple <laughs> that was super challenging for him, he had to stop and think about it. You were always that buffer that just kind of that again always kept him on track. And again, a mentor and a coach. And I've always respected watching you two two guys train together. It was one of, one of my favorite times. And I do remember a point where I was showing you guys something, a, a new drill, probably something kind of dynamic, a little confusing. And I was walking by you guys, and I just saw um, you finished a set. It was you or Danny. You finished a set of it. And as I'm walking by, going to set up the next piece of equipment, I hear, man, that's, that's, kind of, that's uncomfortable. That's super uncomfortable. I just turn around, walk right over to the both of you guys. You were sitting on the floor in front of the rack over there. And I said, well, comfort is not where we thrive without the cuss words. <laughs> and then I walked away, being a hyped-up maniac that I am at times, and I heard you say, I like that. I like that. That's a, that's a good one, Coach. <laughs> and then comfort is not where we thrive. I must have that's used right. that God a thousand times at this point. And uh, that was where that, that's where it came from. So you guys hold a special place in my heart for yeah, some of my that's great. little rants and nuggets that I come up with. But um, That's like, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. It's an old boxing thing, too, that I grew yeah. up with. So, so now you guys are in here, and you guys are at a, a training, and you guys were at your strongest at that point that I've ever yeah. seen to both of you. And, and I remember the Ducks. I remember you, you got me some tickets, and me and my, my wife had went and uh, yeah. you know, sat there with, I think she was, your, was she a fiancé? You know, the wonderful Taylor, your wife now. Yeah. Fiancé at the time or at something time, like that, or a long-time girlfriend. No, we, and, I think we were married. I think we just got married. That maybe, year. maybe not. I forget. The first year with the Ducks, we were married my second yeah. year. And I remember sitting there with your parents, and just you know, it was yeah. awesome sitting next to them and your family, and seeing them how how proud they were. And I know you had other desires, and you wanted to test and prove to yourself that you can get back, you know, to a competitive level, um, to officially know if you were done or not. And, and I get that that that's, that really rings yeah. true with a lot of athletes. You need to test yourself fully. You don't want to go out. You want to go out on your terms, basically. Yeah. Um, but well, for that, sure, yeah. it didn't matter where you were competing. You were out there in uniform, and just seeing your mom and dad, big smile on their face, and the hugs and everything involved, they didn't care where you were playing. The fact that they knew you were doing what you were loving, mm-hmm. they loved it also. It was awesome. For sure. You know, you know from, from an adult you know, coach standpoint, I always appreciate some of those, those little experiences that I get to see, you know, how involved the family is and how much they've devoted and sacrificed to make sure that, you, that their children can experience this life and experience their dreams, even if it's just a boyhood game. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big 
big thing for a, a professional pitcher is having that kind of support from your family. You know, sure. if you don't have that support, it's just even it's so much tougher. You know, yeah. but they've been supportive my entire life. So, did, uh, side note: Did they go out to Wyoming to see you play initially? Uh, it's a trip. Taylor did. Yeah, my, wife, <laughs> my parents. Did not. That's why you married him, yeah, man. That's yeah, why yeah, you yeah. I used to the cake there. right there. She sealed the deal. Yeah. <laughs> wow, <laughs> parents are like yeah. Dad's like I'm gonna go a bow yeah. hunting season right now. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Let me know when you're back on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so so the Ducks. Now you, you had success there. Were there any guys from the Ducks organization over there that kind of said, "Hey, do you have an agent at that time from the past?" Or what was your your leeway into the the Royals kind of tryout there that you had with them? So. I got into the Royals from Paul Gibson from here. He was a scout with them. A full and circle then, back to Paul Yeah, Gibson it was kind there. of full. And he got me spring training invite. And I swear, like, dude, I went there. I was throwing, like, 96, 97. I, I thought for sure I was going to make a team. Because I was throwing hard. Yeah. 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 And I ended up getting released on. At that point, I was like, I, I've worked so hard to get to this point. There's no way I'm going to quit now. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to I have to try the Ducks right. again. I have, to, I have to. And that's where, like, I had a. Like probably one of my, that was my best season because that's when I ended up going to to Asia. Yeah, I picked yeah. up from there. So. so, so now what, while you were, um, I remember that intimately because I remember Paul Gibson coming over to the gym and talked to Ray, uh, my partner in Trinity, and my and my brother and and myself privately and say, "What's going on with Bruce?" Specifically asking multiple times um, how you were working in the gym, what was going on, and like asking you know like like the scout yeah. that he is, like mm-hmm. asking very very intimate questions and. You know, I, I remember, you know, you're kind of a pretty level guy. I was probably more excited than you were, but for that opportunity, <laughs> yeah. well, at least showing it more. But mm-hmm. um, so once you had, oh, so, so yes, I remember here tra- actually training athletes and knowing Bruce is going to be on TV today. You weren't around at this point, right, Jared? No, I wasn't. So, no. so Bruce is going to be on TV. We literally paused the gym. We had a full house here. I don't remember what time of the year it was or anything, but it was, I think it might have been just early season for us here, but you were on TV. And we put you on the big screen, and everybody in the gym, from the baseball lessons to the training lessons, went on pause for a good 10, 15 minutes just to watch you. Yeah. And we all stopped. Everybody was leaning on the walls. I wish I captured that in a photo. And everybody was like, oh, my God, that's the guy that used to train here or trained here in the offseason, or that's Coach Bruce, or that's, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen him. You know, like, yeah. And it was, uh, I watch him in Ducks games, whatever it must have been. They were watching you. Um, and that was really, really just an awesome moment. Um, and also that time, I remember you sending us videos of some of your footage, and, and Coach Derek, also a good friend of ours and trainer here, uh, Derek Squires, uh, sending me the footage of you throwing. And I mean, like, popping the glove, striking guys out with a nasty, you know, curveball, and, and, and Derek and you giving me the feedback saying that you had, like, five or six outings, and five of the outings you were lights out, maybe yeah. one mediocre. Like, you did what you had to do. I did what you I had to do. You showed what you had to show. I, I really felt your like talent I did. And the big, they told me, like, you know, you're not an organizational guy, mm-hmm. meaning I wasn't drafted by them. Yep. And they are like, there's just there's just no room. And that, that's what they said. You know, maybe they were lying. I don't know. But so what, year, what year was this? That was 2016. Spring of 16. Uh, so. Oh, so I, I was around. Yeah, I think you... Oh no! Wait, no, no, yeah, my timeline's off. No, yeah, yeah, you weren't. We didn't. Yeah, Almost. Maybe that summer. Just yeah, I think yeah. he came in that just, summer. Yeah, I did. That's another thing too. I gotta give credit to Derek back then because oh, yeah. he was my throwing partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barawa, I think, ended up just like moving to Florida for yeah, for you know, a little bit. Yeah, 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 he was just out there. So the me and Derek, man, we would we'd be here after I think hours. Derek was still trying crushing. to make a comeback at that point too. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it. 
I got him motivated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was working hard. Yeah, so Derek, he was, Derek man. was, you know, again, one of my original, original 2004 to whatever, one of my original uh, clients here and, and a dear friend, um, a great trainer here and all that. So, average uh, we'll, golfer? Yeah, an average, below average golfer. <laughs> um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get him in here for sure for a podcast, you know, especially since he's a data guy. I think Jared would like that and, and very engineer type guy. So, get a little sciencey. We'll bring him in here too, and I'm sure we'll have some great things to say about you as well. Um, but, all right, so, so here you are, another pitfall. Was it, what was the, the tougher pill to swallow? Was it the injury? Was it the, I made it again, I did everything I had to do, and then they just don't want me, I'm not good enough? What, what, was, what was the toughest break for you at that point? Was that just as... I'm, I think I'm going through the toughest break right now. Yeah. Honestly. All right, so, so now, here we are, and, and you're how old at that, that point when the Royals uh, released you? 28, I think. 28 that time? 27, and now, well, which is old, you know. What was your vehicle to Asian ball? How did that begin? Uh, I was playing with the Long Island Ducks, and you know they always kind of scout people from from those leagues, and they scouted me. They were like, "Are you interested in playing?" You know, in Taiwan. And I was like, "There's baseball in Taiwan." <laughs> <laughs> I had no, I had no idea. Is that and ball hunting? <laughs> what do you guys eat over there? Yeah, you don't want to know that. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know how serious it was until they. Uh, until they sent me the contract, and I was like, "That much money?" So they make sure they converted that yeah. to US dollars. And oh yeah, yeah. Double checked. Right. I mean, when when you know when they want a guy to come halfway across the world to play, they got to make it worth their while. So. Yeah, for sure. And that's you know I, I put together a couple of years there, so it so, was great. But, and, and not to I know you're making light of it about the food and all that, but it isn't now compared to Wyoming. This is an absolute culture change. Yeah, it's a complete culture. So besides food and culture and all that, what was your first your first couple of weeks out there? What was that like? I mean, do you have uh, um, are there translators there? I mean, obviously you don't, you're not fluent in Taiwanese at this yeah. point. So, so what was it like when your first couple of weeks? And then being away from the wife too, like how did that go? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've always kind of had a relationship where we're kind of together, not together, like long distance relationship. Yeah, basically. you're a baseball guy. So yeah, sure. so it was we were kind of used to it. That, you know, that wasn't difficult at all. But uh, definitely a culture shock. I mean, you know, English is the universal language. Mm-hmm. You know, so everyone kind of, that's like everyone's go-to is English. Yeah. So that wasn't, you know, you go into a restaurant and they give you a menu and it's written in Chinese and you're just like, all right, never mind. And you walk out. But if the menu has pictures, you can just be like, oh, this, I want this. No difference than when I go to chicken, a Chinese chicken? restaurant nowadays. Actually, look at the picture and I point. Chicken, 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 chicken. Forgot, <laughs> forgot. <laughs> No, 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 rough, rough. <laughs> you show, no, no, you no. show money, and they'll they'll serve something. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Now, now, uh, um, eating wise, though, too, were you able to maintain your weight early on? I remember having a conversation with you with nutrition oh, yeah, that, that was a little that, difficult, and I, was, I didn't that, really have any answers. That was the for biggest. Of that. that was the biggest challenge. Yeah. Challenge there was was the food. Now, what about the sleeping schedule too? That had to have changed a little bit, right? Uh, well, it's twelve hour difference. Yeah. So it, I mean, I got that takes like a week. Yeah, you know, a week or two. When you, when you get there, they kind of you do whatever you want for like a week mm-hmm. in order to get the time change used yeah. to it. So your body adjusts pretty fast. It wasn't too, I wasn't too bad. Uh, what were your go to food choices once you figured it out? Oh man, there was a taco place right next to my apartment. I I think I went there every single day. <laughs> you know, I ended up cook. There was a there's Costco there, and they had like steaks and stuff. So I ended up cooking. Cooking a lot for myself. Yeah, that's good. Good to learn. 
the biggest problem where we had like road games. And, yeah. You, know, you had to eat the eat the local food. You know, you I grew accustomed to it through the years, but at first it was really really tough because it's just a different taste. Oh yeah. It's hard to explain. It's not like Chinese food here. Yeah, no, everything's American. <laughs> it's not American here. Chinese yeah, it's food. Like it's, American, it's Chinese Chinese yeah. food. So. Yeah, I know. Traveling to Italy, Italian food. Much yeah. different than uh, Americanized Italian food. Actually, quite healthier, actually. Same thing with Greek food. Yeah. Every, so, every country you go to, it's, yeah, it like, yeah, tastes yeah. different, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I they use different spices and different oils. And it's just like got it. its own, like, natural taste. So, I, I would, now, I'm unf- now I'm familiar with Taiwanese ball, but I was unfamiliar like you were when you went out there. Mm-hmm. But how many teams, what's the season like? And it's a small country, so when you say you're on the road, yeah. it's not like you're going to Wyoming. It's no, actually, no, it's... You know, it's Small travel, two, okay. three hours, at, you know, at the most. How many teams are there? Really? Four, only four teams. So, four teams, ultra-competitive baseball. It's got to mm-hmm. be. 14, 140, 150 games a season. Yep, yep. So, you know, you're kind of playing the same teams over and over and over. Mm. Um, as far as, like, pitching schedule, is it the same rotation that they had there? Or is it anything different culturally that they did? It was kind of like college. Like, oh, I, yeah? I pitched every Friday night or something like that. Mm-hmm. I pitch once a week. You know, obviously, if you're... On a team and they're pushing a playoff, they might change it to like a five day. Like, all right, we need you every five day mm. to like Tuesday or whatever, you know, Sunday, Tuesday. And the first team you were with was the brothers, brothers elephant. Yeah, elephant. brothers elephant. So, so now when you're playing for them, you said, I mean, your contract, you were you were kind of surprised by that because you know minor league contracts, especially in the beginning, are not uh, that fruitful. Mm-hmm. So that was your draw there, of course. So I imagine if they're able to. Distribute some money since it's only four teams. They must get great fan support. I'm assuming. Yeah, so they get good fans. What's it like yeah. there? What was it like playing? Was that the biggest crowd you've ever played for? Like, what were the biggest games that you played for out there? Um, I'd say the average crowd is probably like eight, eight thousand, eight to ten thousand. Okay. You know, and then our championship game. I pitched game one of the championship a couple of years, a couple of years ago, and that was like I think like thirty thousand or something like that. So wow. I mean, it, it was pretty cool, man. Twenty five thousand. Nice. Do. Were you? It was amazing. Yeah, yeah no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Like, <laughs> I, I'm getting fired up. I got chills going right now, and I'm wondering: <laughs> Were you nervous at all? Were you hyped up more, any more than usual, or is this? Hey, I'm just, I'm just doing what I do. Yeah, I, honestly, I stay pretty cool, yeah. like most of the time. Uh, for people that know me, you know, I, I don't let that really affect. Me. When I'm on the mound with a baseball in my hand, I'm comfortable. Yeah. You know, I'm oh, more, yeah. un, I'm more uncomfortable right now speaking into this mic than I am pitching in front of thirty thousand people. <laughs> Me too, actually. And I've never done. You know? I never pitched in front of that many people. So, um, so, but I, I remember that vividly, and I remember making quite a few posts with that. You know, we were super pumped to see. You know, especially when you guys won. You won with the elephants, was it? Or no, we won with the monkeys. No, I won I won with okay. The monkeys. Yeah. So, but you were in some some great games with that, with the elephants, and you had great experiences there. And then I guess when you only work with four teams in Taiwanese baseball, everybody gets to see a lot of you. So yeah. they're also recruiting within teams, pretty much. You know. Yeah, that's that's what happened. How did that work out? So now, I got released from the brothers was there my bad first blood with year. Them? Oh, they were, okay. Um, there wasn't any bad blood with the brothers. They just wanted to. They we had there's only three foreigners allowed on a team, and you can't once a guy comes off the roster, he can't go back on. Hmm. So they wanted to go with a lefty. And there was three of us righties, and, and I was just the new guy. Yeah, so yeah. they were like, "Hey, you know, we want to call, we want to give this lefty a shot." Oh, yeah, they I wasn't like, I wasn't having, yeah, that year I wasn't having a great year. Uh-huh. So I was just kind of the odd man out there. So then they released me, and then the following year, tacos, uh, tacos stopped working. That's what happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the the tacos. monkeys ended up picking me up, and then 
I ended up turning into like their, you know, their best pitcher. So, so. now, the Lamigo Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Love that name, by the way. And uh, so now you're with them for how many years did you pitch for them? With the Monkeys, just the one now, year. One year, they you had a great year. They had a great year, and they yeah, ended we, up getting to the championship. Yep. Um, what 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 time of year is this played, by the way? Is it the championship game? I think the first game was like. November first, so it's like a little bit later. Okay, so it's kind, a, of, kind of similar, but kind of similar. It's actually longer the season there, mm-hmm. but it's just more spread out. Yeah, like we had like we had two off days a week every single week. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Oh wow! Yeah, every Monday That's off, and then we had like either Tuesday or Wednesday off. Who were um, any notable guys that you played with from America, from former Pro Bowl that you got to play with? Because they carry three to four guys on the team. Um, there's a Orlando Roman. He was uh he got in Japan for a few years. Josh Renicky, mm-hmm. he was in the big leagues for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of a bunch of most of them were AAA guys, right? You know, guys that never got to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's almost like a little secret for some of those guys that you need some sort of connection because the yeah, money's a lot of, not bad there. It's no, not bad it's, there, and there's so few guys from other countries from America yeah. that can play there. Um, I'm surprised that you know. You don't hear about it as often, so I, I'm, you know, I know you're grateful that you got that call, and I mean, it wasn't like you were even looking. It just no, it just it came to me out there, and you, yeah, and you I had no could, idea. You know, you could have very like, easily played a few more years with the Ducks, and then said, "Ah, yeah. I'm good." At the time, I had a job before I went to Taiwan. I had a job uh, Mexico, like a Mexican winter ball, mm, which is like a big thing for yep. you know guys like me who were kind of looking to get away back into pro ball. So I was excited, looking forward to that, and then that offer came along, and. I, Took that instead because it was just a better opportunity for me. Did you ever go down to Mexico and play? Well, you were down. There I did, time, yeah, right? yeah. Because that I, first year, I ended up that first year, I ended up getting hurt in Taiwan, so they so they ended up releasing me. So then I went to winter ball, and then I went back to Taiwan. That's right. They were like, "Hey, I know you got hurt, but we want you to come back." And I was like, "All right, well, I'm still going to go to Mexico because I want to go play." Do you have? Uh, I mean, if you have that many fan support there, I'm sure you had quite a few jerseys uh, and some fan support there. Were they? Did they treat you well there, the fans? What was oh, the yeah, they there? treat you great. The fans they are like awesome. like Godzilla there. They love you. Yeah, they just love baseball there. That's they're awesome. just a huge, you know, that's their biggest sport baseball. They have a little bit of basketball there, but yep. baseball and basketball is it. That's great. What do they call you over there? Kernan Sansu. Kern the third. Say it again? Kernan Sansu. Sensei Kern. Yeah, I can't. Spe- I can't spell it in, ch- in Chinese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you to do that. That's why it's not no, a video. Yeah. Maybe Derek. <laughs> I'm sure he could. Derek will figure it out in a few seconds. Um, all right. So, all right. Now, now the Migo Monkeys. Now, now they do a one year. How do they do their deals? The short term uh, contracts. It was one year. It's almost like month to month. Month to month is how they yeah, do it. Pretty much. Yeah. And then, and then now, another pitfall. Here we go. Another challenge. Mm-hmm. What happened? I don't know. Where were you? I don't. This one was different. You know, this one wasn't one pitch. This one was just kind of wear and tear throughout the season, and then uh, that off season, right before I was supposed to go back to Taiwan, I was throwing, and it just it just was not feeling right. And sure enough, I went to Taiwan, and uh, I failed my physical because my UCL was torn. So they went. If they, did Which, they? Did I, you get a chance to throw first, or they just said, "Let's do an no, MRI"? Didn't even get a chance to throw. They they do it with everybody. It's a standard yeah, it's practice. A standard. It's, you it's are, if your back. Con- your contract's not going to get yeah con- guaranteed to you pass the physical, just yeah. like the MLB. Same thing. So hope they pay for your flight. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. Got a few tacos so. in before you get. <laughs> um, Taiwanese tacos. Uh, 
All right, so now you knew it was torn again. Now, was it anything different as far as from a medical standpoint, like where it was torn or what failed? Was anything unusual that you recall from the doctors? Like, did you no, use the same they just, surgeon? They, no, I had a different surgeon. I went to a hospital special surgery. Yep. But, uh, he, you know, when he did it this time, he, he took the tendon out of my hamstring. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. He, he said that it has better success rate with the hamstring because it's a little stronger. Yeah. Well, a few years now, we've have enough you know studies to look at it and yes it is a little bit stronger yeah and they already used your palmaris longus from your other arm or from my right arm, arm yeah but i still had the one on my oh, left, had arm. One left that's, okay. what I, that's what i thought he was going to do not yeah. everybody has that by the way they do a test to make sure yeah you have that. yeah, yeah that's why that. so you actually have both okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, the might, only able, thing you that... might be able to throw another 30 years if i want to the only thing i remember him telling me he said that my my nerve was like impacted with scar tissue yeah he said, you're probably in a lot of pain. I was like, I, through the years, I've just gotten used to it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, that on the nerve. He it's, said it's it, such a small little compartment where they are. And it's, now it's, a lot of times they'll go in and do the surgery. And if they see any you know, irritation with that nerve or if it's too close to where they feel comfortable with it, they'll just do a transposition where they'll move it out of the way while they're already in there doing the surgery. Because yeah. they, they can, did they can almost say it's going to be a problem in the future anyway. So, um, And once that gets tripped, that nerve gets tripped, man, it's it's – yeah, you, you, don't, you don't want to deal through that. You, you can't pitch through that at a high level for a long period of time. That's usually, you know, something that has to be addressed immediately. So, mm-hmm. all right, so when was your surgery, your second Tommy John surgery? Uh, May 20th of last year. May 20th of last year, so almost a year almost away. A year. Mm-hmm. You're in your throwing program. Compared to the first year and then also now, how old are you? 32. 32. How was your recovery from now? Of course, going through something again, as devastating as it is, you've traveled that path before, so you know what it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, but also being a few years older now, what are the differences? I'm just way more patient right now. You know, I think Jared could tell you that mentally, physically, all the above. Yeah, just I know when to push it, when not to push it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's like I said before. Like when you go through that process, you learn so much more about your body. You know what your limits are. You know when to push past those limits. Mm-hmm. You know the days where you have to say, you know, I'm I I got to cut a little bit early today because it's, it's if it's one of those days, exactly. and there's going to be days like that. Yeah, yeah, respecting your body for sure. And and, and as a PT from the rehab standpoint, um, yeah, there's an appreciation for patience without a doubt. But also now with all these years of training, strength and conditioning, you also know what you respond to. So. Like, when I was younger, it was like, get after it every day, grind, grind, grind. Now, it's not about that. Now, I know how much I need to do. I know how to tether that. I know when to say I need a little bit longer rest. And I know that I'm not going to have dramatic losses in my training. And so, as, a, as an older professional athlete now, you kind of probably have a really good idea of what you need to do and how much time you need to get to where you need to be, rather than when we're younger and this happens where we feel like we're so aggressive, you know, uh, yeah. attacking injuries and just attacking you know, getting ready, getting prepared for the next season. So mm-hmm. patience from all ends, not just from a rehab standpoint, not just from an emotional and mental standpoint, but also from just the, the understanding, having that training experience on you. And uh, that, that all plays a role with the battle back from this. Yeah. For the second and I time. felt like no matter what I did the first surgery, it just never felt better. The only thing that made it feel better was just time. Yeah. And then, then that's unfortunately what Tommy John is. The only, the only way for it to get better to you know follow your rehab accordingly yep. to your physical therapist and just be patient. That's all can you can you do. imagine at this juncture, like you did last time, you being on the mound with no. a professional was it thrown competitively? Because that's what you did I know. the first time. That's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Lives to tell the tale. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah, you are a unicorn, my friend, in the baseball world. You know, two of these and still competing, and you know being able to throw ten months and effectively and 
still live to tell it. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, all right, man, that was that was great. So we still, we're looking forward to your comeback again. If there's a comeback, yes. Yeah, this, this, you, you're going to test the waters. I know you as a competitive <laughs> I'm athlete, sure I'll test the and waters. And you're going to test it for sure. There's no doubt that, again, you're going to determine when you're done, not an injury, nothing <laughs> else. We know that for sure. Yeah. Um, but we appreciate you coming on. That was great. Um, and you have a lot of you have a huge fan club here in the ISP family. So I think people will love to listen to again hearing your backstory and, and, and the challenges you've had. Um, you're a well-respected coach uh, over here. Um, you know, when you're not playing and training, um, I've seen you become a really, really astute um, pitching coach. Not just you know with the Hamptons League, of course, but with the youth here at 365 Athletics. Um, and also with Bobby DeMichael over there um, in the, at Farmingdale and Performance Factory over there, mm-hmm. uh, Prospect Factory, excuse me. And, um, and working with those players, those high school pitchers hand-in-hand, there's over 150 pitchers that we work with, and it's, I was very proud that I work with them too, and I get to hear them um, say how much they enjoy you as a coach over there uh, from a pitching coach standpoint, which has been awesome. And uh, I didn't doubt it, but it was, you know, you're just delving into that coaching stuff now, but it was really a pleasure to hear so many of those younger athletes saying that they love what you have to say, and I think that says a lot about you because you've been through a lot, and you've had a lot of experience. You've been through a number of coaches, a number of organizations globally, literally. Yeah. literally. Yep. So, um, you know, there's a future in baseball for sure, with you. <laughs> whether you're yeah, throwing 97 so. off the mound or teaching people how to do it. Yeah, um, I hope so. Yeah, I'd love to see that continue. Um some fun questions. I forget what I asked the other guys, but I'll try to remember. Okay. Uh, favorite post-workout meal? That was one of them, yeah. Post, post-workout meal. Oh, venison. <laughs> venison, <laughs> man. From your backyard? or? Oh, yeah. From <laughs> right from the bow. backyard. Yeah, I've had the pleasure, and I think Jared has too, of enjoying some of that venison jerky. I think you have. I know I have. I have yet to venison jerky that uh, he makes yeah. at home that's fantastic. I actually, I got a few deer a couple of days ago on a nuisance permit, so I <laughs> might be some jerky headed your way, Jared. All right, good. I figured I knew the answer nice. to that, so I figured he deserved a little bit. Um, <laughs> oh, the other ones. Uh, 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 bat flips, yay or nay? Bat flips? Yeah. Oh, How do you feel care. about them? I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. But, you know, if a guy bat flips me and then the next at bat strike him out, you know, I might give him a little something. Don't be jealous <laughs> if I, you know, do something to you after you do something to me. Yeah, it's a pretty common answer so far. So far, I, you know, yeah. If I yeah. ask, I think if I asked ten high school guys, I think it would be a little bit different. Yeah, because it's yeah. such a like, guys that have been through a high level baseball, they kind of get it. Like most of the pitchers we've talked to now, they're like, yeah, you know, whatever. Listen, I'm just gonna, you know, great. You, you hit, you, you got a, a, a home run off me, and you're excited. Be excited. Go for it. But. But I'm going to get excited, too, at some point. Yeah, I'm going to strike you out next, next time. time get so. Use that as almost motivation to get it next time. Like, I'll get you, touche, kind of deal. Yeah. Where I think in high school, it's become so much of a show. Yeah, and it does hinder upon sportsmanship. Yeah, there, opinion, there's definitely a line with it. Certainly. You know? It just seems there's, the, the there's age a line and the experience it. in baseball does make a difference with, uh, with how we... How we understand the whole bat flip and celebration game, too. So I'm on the fence still about it. I'll probably always be. I'm an old dog, so. <laughs> um, so ones? the other one was favorite walkout song. Ah, good one. Uh, I was I always had uh, not afraid with Eminem. Not afraid of Eminem. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with Eminem as long as they no, give you the yeah, yeah it's an the old clean thing. version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they can. Did they have access to that in the Taiwanese bowl? Are you able to? No, we didn't have walkout. We no, didn't have walkout a, yeah, there's a whole like little Asian bowl. There's a whole 
you know, respect thing to the game and that too. I don't know if uh, the celebrations can get a little. No, they 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 do chants there. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a little different. Did you, you did ever they watch? have a particular chant for you? No, no, they only do that with the locals. So so no walkout songs for anybody, or was it just they... walkout songs? No, no walkout songs, but they had like their chants. Yeah. So like every every batter had their own chant that all the fans and the cheerleaders would oh, do. Oh, wow. Who makes up the chant? I don't know. That's a good question. Interesting. <laughs> Probably just or like the cheerleader. And you didn't have your own? No, no. no it's, it's, it's only the uh, only the, the locals. No good deal. Huh. So. Well, you guys did win a championship there, and I got to see you celebrate with that. And how, What was that like, actually winning a championship with a professional organization and having you know 30,000 or more fans just kind of adoring you for that moment? Was there a parade? Was there anything yeah, we like had that? A, dude, we had a parade. It was awesome. We had it on a big float. We went all through Taiwan. Yeah. People were chasing us in scooters and bikes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great experience, yeah. That is cool. That's fun. That was a ton of fun. That was a great year. Yeah. I, remember, I think that's why I'm so motivated to kind of go out of my own terms because that was literally the best year I've ever had. And then I got Tommy John again. Yeah, yeah. It's just frustrating. Yeah. But baseball's frustrating. It's, 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 it's baseball is a reflection like sport of life. How many and, people uh, can honestly say they went out on their own terms in baseball? Yeah, we all want to, but a lot of us no, can't. Yeah, no. it's usually the game tells us when we're done. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but but knowing that you still have the opportunity now at this uh, elder age yep. to sit there and say, I still have an opportunity, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna make the decision to hopefully make the decision on my own. Mm-hmm. As long as this Corona goes away, yeah. and baseball plays again. We'll get there. <laughs> well, like you said, uh, you know, patience. That's, yeah, that's exactly. our biggest, biggest tool, and I think we all, we all learn that um, as we mature and get older, too, that patience is certainly a virtue, uh, much more important than many other things. So, Well, Bruce, that was a pleasure. Thank you for the awesome lunch. And, yeah, thank uh, and you. The awesome years of you know, being around the gym here as a mentor and a prodigy and all the above. Appreciate um, that. It's been a pleasure, and it will continue to be a pleasure. And, uh, and that's it. Huh? Yeah, appreciate you. Another Bruce. good one, man. Thanks, now man. let's see if you get more listens than Anthony K, Ben yep. Brown. Yeah, we're we'll gonna make this a little competitive here, so we shall see. We'll put we'll put another lunch on it or something. <laughs> yep. All right, brother. Thank you so All much. Right, thanks, guys. Thanks.